Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. I think we really got something in. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. The Nightcap. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. On WGR Sports Radio 550. If you're uh, indoors for a while, if you are, you know, taking it easy these days, Seinfeld. If you've never seen it, I think everyone should see Seinfeld. How about that? You know, like you take a, a film class in high school like I did, and they make you watch like Citizen Kane, for instance. I, I'm ready for Seinfeld to reach the epitome of uh, that, that status. That's fine with me. Shows that if you haven't seen and you got a lot of time on your hands now watching TV, Seinfeld, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, eh. That last season really kind of killed that vibe, though. Um, I'm good with just those two as a start. Curb your enthusiasm, but that's not everybody's cup of tea. I think it's the funniest show maybe ever made, but not everybody's cup of tea. Reach out if you are wondering for things to watch. I'm currently watching McMillions on HBO. I think I've talked about it before on uh, on the show here, but phenomenal on HBO so far. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. I'm, I'm pretty happy that today we found out, or at least we read from multiple reports, Dan Graziano, uh, more uh, specifically of ESPN, saying that the NFL has no plans to delay the new league year. And just to be like completely frank, it's not going to be a lot to talk about here. There's not. I mean, I'm looking forward to having some silly things to talk about. Like, I almost wanted to rank canned goods tonight, and maybe we still will. We'll see. Um, we'll see what kind of time we have. But, you got like, some, having something will be nice. And something to pay attention to, something to get excited about, something to want to watch for. Because everything's gone now. Everything's gone sports-wise. For good reason. Um, Actually, not. I shouldn't say everything's gone. Because, amazingly, the UFC is going to keep going. Like, golf was canceled yesterday. And did freezing cold takes. Uh, Have I I reached the freezing cold takes status yet? I don't know that I have. But, yesterday, I spent a large portion of the show talking about how, like, I'm, I'm ready for golf to be the number one sport in America. Because it made sense to me that that would be a sport that continues. It's not a sport like basketball, like hockey, like football, like wrestling, like anything. That you are having close contact with your opponent or your teammate. It's not happening. You're not breathing on each other trying to stop somebody from making a basket. Or trying to, you know, dig a puck out of the corner. Or get a scrum uh, together in front of the net. That, that, does, that doesn't happen in golf. So I thought that could be a sport that could maybe thrive in a time like this. And obviously no criticism towards the PGA or the USGA. They decided last night to cancel the rest of the Players' Championship, cancel the Texas Open next week, or two weeks from now, and basically suspend all play up until the Masters. Then this morning, we find out now that the Masters is being postponed. Again, fine. You're doing what you have to do. I think that these leagues have been proactive enough 
to take a measure that they didn't really have to take yet. And I think good on them for doing it. But then what's left? Golf's gone. Hell, curling even is gone. Um, Like everything. The UFC's out here still trying to do it. And at some point, don't they get a decree? Don't they get something from the government that says they can't do it? And I don't know how that'll go. They're going to have an event tomorrow in Brazil, which, to be frank, I have no idea what the outbreak is like in South America at all. I don't even know if it's there. But the UFC is going to be having an event in Brazil tomorrow, and they have moved UFC events coming up in Portland and in Columbus to their own arena in Vegas. So there's that. And from what I've read, there's going to be limited to no fans in the building. I'm not sure that's been decided yet. But you'll have the, the, the UFC is the only one still out here trying to, to do this, trying to kick it. And we'll see how long that goes. Otherwise, everything's gone. But NFL free agency still exists. And I'm glad that they're going through with it, if it is true that they are. Because I don't really see the argument against it. The original reporting by Mike Florio was that, well, the NFL's considering moving everything back because they don't like what it would look like. They don't like what the optics would be of Tom Brady and all these quarterbacks that are going to become available, and Melvin Gordon, Derrick Henry, and all these guys signing big multi-million dollar contracts, big multi-million dollar signing bonuses. The optics are bad? Are people that, people aren't that dumb. I'm glad the NFL gave fans enough credit, because they should know, hey, these guys are going to get their money no matter what. It doesn't really matter if you push it back or not. And I think that the timing... Like, you you would want to give people a little bit of an escape. Because if you're looking for an escape right now from what is happening in the world right now, and I don't think you should escape completely because that is, to me, that's ignorance, and that is closing yourself off, and that is not providing yourself with information that you might need, and at the end of the day, that is just kind of dumb. But at some point or another, people are going to want to look for some sort of escape. And if you wanted to do that via sports right now, it doesn't really exist. Hockey's gone. Basketball's gone. Baseball's going to delay the start of their year. Golf is gone. Everything's gone. But what you might still have is the NFL offseason. If you are looking for an escape in sports, all you'll have is the NFL offseason. And when there's no health risk to NFL free agency and... Even the draft, if they have to do it without a crowd, you can have you can have those, I don't want to call them events, but you can have those occurrences in your sport. People will follow them, people will be interested in them, and that's something that I think like you're going to want an escape like that. So I'm glad that they're going through with it, because next week, like I am looking forward to next week, and I'm glad to have something to be looking forward to. At least it's one thing. And what the Bills do will be interesting. And I'm glad to have something like that to be able to talk about. Fans that will want to talk about it. 803-0550, by the way. If you uh, got anything to go against or with what I'm about to say for the Bills free agency-wise. Because I'm back to now thinking about what I want them to do in free agency. And that brings some sort of normalcy, doesn't it? to be thinking about sports and what you want a team to do and all of that. Because it's back at least a little bit, or at least staying for at least a little bit with the NFL offseason. Next week will be the big week with free agency opening up, assuming that it still does. So there have been some moves today, a lot of moves in the league today, and people are clearing cap space. The Lions cleared about $6 million in cap space by starting or releasing their right, their right tackle. Um, you have the Minnesota Vikings clearing some cap space, getting rid of Xavier Rhodes and Linvel Joseph. The Titans clearing space, getting rid of Delaney Walker and Ryan Suckup, whether that's for a Ryan Tannehill contract or for a Derrick Henry contract or both. I guess that remains to be seen. The Chargers clearing space for Thomas Davis. And all of those things could come along with a quarterback. The Chargers 
maybe are getting that little bit of extra space to compete with Tampa to try to get Tom Brady. The Titans maybe trying to clear a little space to get Tom Brady or, like I said, to maybe fit in a Ryan Tannehill contract. And the Bills, luckily, where they're at, they don't have to do what some of these teams are doing. Today, the Chargers cut a good veteran player because they needed cap space. The Lions cut a player that was a starter for them because they needed cap space. The Titans cut a very good tight end in Delaney Walker because they needed cap space. And there are other reasons too, injury issues and such, but they moved on from him because they needed the cap space. The Vikings got rid of a a corner who was a pro bowler last year and... They're starting defensive tackle because they need cap space. The Bills, one thing Brandon Bean deserves a lot of credit for, I think, is the spot he now has the salary cap in. Where he doesn't have to move on from veteran players that you can argue are still productive for you because you're looking to do something else big. In fact, the Bills could do something big right now and not even have to think about money. Yesterday when Brendan Keeney was hanging out in here with me, I was... I brought up the fact that they could really, like, if they wanted to, it would be probably completely irresponsible. But they could go out and pay Amari Cooper $25 million if they really wanted to. They can afford that. Easily. They can afford to be reckless. And with bringing Quentin Spain back on a deal that only pays him $5 million per year, signing Josh Norman at a position that they probably wanted to add depth in, and they clearly did because they signed Josh Norman, to a deal that doesn't guarantee him all that much money, doesn't cost the Bills all that much, clearing a little bit more cap space by restructuring Tyler Croft's contract last week, or was it two weeks ago, restructuring the deal of Star Latulale, giving themselves a little more cap space. I think the Bills are setting themselves up, and I maybe I more so hope they are than think they are, but I think that there is a chance that Brandon Bean is amping up for something big. And I hope he is amping up for something Big. This whole pathway to year four, this is where, this is what you've been building up for. This is what you've been building to. Is, all right, started off, cleared the decks. They didn't have to do that, but they decided to do it. Fine. Move Darius. Don't sign Gilmore. Don't sign Woods. Move Watkins. Move Darby. Move all that money out of here. And within two years, our dead cap will go away, and we will have flexibility to do whatever we want. Right? Year two was about the quarterback. You got to get the quarterback in place. Year two is about acclimating him to the NFL and letting him grow and getting comfortable, but we're not ready to win just yet. And the defense, it was about building up the defense, right? Year two, the defense, you build it up. And I didn't agree with them doing defense first as opposed to offense, but they did it. Year three, last year, now it's time to win on some level. Now it's time to make the playoffs when you're actually trying to make the playoffs. And that's the goal of the season. Because they made it in 2017, and they'll say over and over that they wanted to make the playoffs that year. That was not their main goal. Their main goal was stripping things down, was starting over. And they just happened to make the playoffs on the side. That's the way I look at 2017. What's this year? This year is when the bar gets raised. And now the defense is in place. You have a lot of pieces on offense, but you're not a finished product. This year, this offseason, to me, should be about becoming a finished product. And the only... Final steps the Bills need to become that finished product is to go big. Because that's all that's left to do. You've got the quarterback. You've got the running back. You've got your entire offensive line coming back. You've got your tight end. You've got basically your entire defense in place. What are you still missing? And it's so obvious. And that's why I think these are the only two positions we really talk about for the draft. They need the number one pass rusher. They need the number one wide receiver. And those are big moves. When you look at positions in the league and how much money they make, 
Those are two of the biggest cap dollars in the league. The two of the biggest average salaries. And I just had it in front of me and it just went away. But I think I had it as receiver was fourth in the league in average salary and and pass rusher was third. Only left tackle was above it. Like running backs way down the list. Running backs are behind kicker. But that's my worry. My worry is okay, the Bills are amping up to do something big, but it's not receiver or pass rusher. They can do both, and they can do both and do this other thing, but I am a little terrified, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little afraid that the Bills go, that big move that I'm talking about them amping up for, potentially, is for a running back. That scares me. And maybe it's even just little things along the way, like them keeping LaShawn McCoy for as long as he did on a big contract. And the report... There was like a, a couple of there was some speculation at the deadline that the Bills were in on Melvin Gordon. That scares me because I don't think there's a worse idea than signing Melvin Gordon. What have the Bills done for 20 years? What have they done? They have always invested where? They've invested in running back. Why? Because running back is really easy to invest in. Nobody else wants to pay him. Nobody else wants to draft them high in the first round. There's a reason the Bills always get star running backs. There's a reason they had Marshawn Lynch as a first-round pick and Spiller as a first-round pick and LaShawn McCoy as a big guy you traded for and gave a big contract to. Why do running backs want to play for the Bills? Why does it seem to be a match made in heaven, Buffalo and running backs? Because for some reason... Everyone that walks through the door here, since Marv Levy, believes that this has to be a blue-collar team because it's a blue-collar city. Which is nonsense. Nonsense. The best team in franchise history. Did they play a blue-collar style of football? They aired it out. They were ahead of their time. And since, they've been behind the times. Finally, I think we're starting to get away from investing big in that running back. And again, it can be easy to think, oh, we want a big star player, right? We want to make a big splash. Melvin Gordon, that's a big splash, right? That's a big name. That's a star player. That's a guy people know. That's a guy where you're on Monday Night Football. He His graphic is up on the screen. When they're putting promos up, oh, it's Bills and whoever, Steelers on Sunday Night Football. It's Josh Allen and it's Melvin Gordon. As opposed to an Amari Cooper, who is also a big, splashy player, but he plays a position that oftentimes the Bills don't think they can get and often can't get. But just because you can't get that guy, you can't get the big, splashy player in free agency at the position that you need and that you should want, doesn't mean that your fallback option should be to go for still the big, splashy option, but at a position where it is incredibly dumb to do so. Just because that guy will come here. Because I guarantee you, if the Bills give Melvin Gordon money-wise what he wants, he's coming to Buffalo. And I don't think the same can be said for a guy like Amari Cooper at a position like that. More matters to a guy like Amari Cooper. I want to be the team, and the Bills should want to be the team, that in the future, next year, the year after, whenever, it has to happen. And you need the quarterback to keep coming along for this to be the case. You need to get to a point where when the top receiver hits free agency, you can get in the door. And they're really still not that, I don't think. Not the way Cooper sounded in that Tim Graham story a couple of weeks ago. They are not that team to a wide receiver. But if I'm a running back, hell, I'd love to go to Buffalo. Because they love to run the ball. It's defense and it's ground game. Beautiful. I love it. I love that blue-collar mentality if I'm Melvin Gordon. Because that's the team that's not only going to pay me big, but is going to give me carries so that my stats can continue to rise up and I can continue to be a star in the league. The Bills should not want to be a team anymore that is attractive to the big-name running back. And I think they're starting to get away from that. I don't want to blast them for being that because I think they're starting just now to get away from that. Last year is the way you should operate that position. A third-round rookie who, you know, going into that draft, and once they picked Devin Singletary, I was tweeting out lists of players that were drafted in the third round at that position. And it's like an 80% success rate. 
to draft a running back in the third round. Like, the hit rate is super high. And you pair him with a couple of guys that are making league minimum. TJ Yeldon, when he played, made nothing money-wise. But he was pretty good. He was pretty good when he played, right? Frank Gore, I think, should not have been even active later in the season. But early in the year, when Devin Singletary was hurt, he played all right. He was okay. And nothing. You didn't have to pay him anything. They turned over their running back position in one year. And, like, completely. Like, a whole new running back group. And what they invest. A third-round pick and two super low-money contracts. And they vastly improved. They got much better this year, this offseason. The big test to me for Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott is that when you have all this money to work with and you've got you've got players in front of you, like Melvin Gordon, or even like a Derrick Henry. I should maybe throw him into the mix here, although I'm not really anticipating he gets away from Tennessee. But let's say he does. A Derrick Henry, a Melvin Gordon. For them to hopefully not be too excited by the idea. To not act like a 15-year-old who plays fantasy football. Or plays Madden. Where, yeah, I'd love to get Melvin Gordon on my Madden team. He's an 88 overall. Don't be that guy. Be smart, be cold, be calculated. Because that is what teams like New England does when they have a continuing rotating door at the running back position, and they invest nothing in it, for the most part, and they always get production. The Chiefs just won the Super Bowl with a guy in Damian Williams who was a special teams player for multiple years in Miami before he got there. They took a guy from Miami who was a special teamer, they plugged him in as their starting running back, and they won the Super Bowl, and he put up big yardage doing it. The Niners, who were in the Super Bowl are the perfect example. Jarek McKinnon, they paid big to. He's making top seven money in the league. I think he's seventh in the league in salary by a running back. Last year, didn't suit up one game. And guess what? San Francisco was one of, if not the best team running the football. And who was carrying it? It was a guy they brought over from Atlanta, who was a backup in Atlanta, And Tevin Coleman, although they gave him, you know, it wasn't the lowest contract in the world, so he's not the best example for this. But who was the star of the show for them in the playoffs? Who became their starting running back over the course of the year? Raheem Mostert, who had been bouncing around the league, practice squad to practice squad, and was playing special teams and was inactive in large portions of the year for the Niners. Listen to his career. Eagles, Dolphins, Ravens, Browns. That's just 2015. Jets, Bears, that's 2016. The Niners ever since. Part of that stint with the Niners was practice squad. That guy just shows up and, hey, he's great. And the Bills operated that way last year, and I hope that that carries over into this offseason. That it will be Singletary, and it will be either a guy that they get cheap in free agency or that they pick round three or later. Because that's how you need to operate your running back group. And again, I want to say I have confidence they're not going to go back to that. But there is a little bit of worry in me in me individually that they're going to go back to it. That they're going to look at Melvin Gordon, see the fact that they have $90 million in cap space, and think, we can afford that. Let's do that. It's a big splash. It's a terrible idea. The big move if it is a big move that will happen, needs to be receiver or pass rusher. Those positions are important. Those positions are hard to get. And if you get a chance to do it, you pull the trigger. And if you don't, you wait until you get that chance. You don't supplement it with another position that doesn't matter that much. And we'll see if the Bills follow through on that. Will they add the will the big money be paid at receiver? Will the big money be paid at pass rusher? Will that first round pick be used on a receiver or pass rusher? Because running back is still hanging around in the back of my mind, and to me, it would be dumb if the Bills were to go with that position, with either the money they have or the first round pick that they have. 803-0550 is the phone number. Is running back in free agency 
or in the first round the worst idea for the Bills? Because to me it is. Let me know what you think. We'll hear Matt Waldman's thoughts on the draft as a whole. He was on with Howard and Jeremy this morning. We'll get to that as our interview of the day in a little bit. And we'll look for your calls as well. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Thanks for listening here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Let us now get to our first interview of the day. And it's courtesy as we stick with football here and the NFL draft specifically. Matt Waldman, who, funny enough, I had booked for the afternoon show today with uh, Bulldog and Sal. Then, come to find out, oh, he was on with the morning guys. All right, I'm going to go get Tyler done then. And Tyler was great, so we were able to get both of them on the station today. Matt was on with uh, Howard and Jeremy in the morning. Um, always good stuff from him. Matt, of course, like, what what a guy. I asked him, and he didn't even say, oh, I'm already booked for uh, for Howard and Jeremy. He's like, no, I'll do it. So I'll do both. He might come on it next week at some point for uh, another short visit. We'll see. Here he is, Matt Waldman with Howard and Jeremy earlier this morning. So T. Higgins, he's, that's a good 40 time, and were his numbers good yesterday? Yeah, it seems like that. That's a pretty good time. Now you have to remember, too, to just throw another wrench into the whole complexity of this thing that we do sometimes and make it overly complex. You have to compare the surface <laughs> from right, you know, right. he ran to what they did at the Combine and that kind of thing. But overall, it's a good time. You're not expecting him to be a, a massive burner, and he's a well-sized guy who, you know, obviously can do a lot for a quarterback in terms of, you know, what he does well. He's the type of guy that's a very quarterback-friendly receiver. You know, in terms of receivers, Matt, everybody's talking about how deep this class is. Can you – I want to see if you can somehow maybe create tiers for us Uh, because you could have – a receiver on day three who makes a roster, but maybe he's the third or fourth guy in her depth chart, as opposed to, say, a stud number one receiver. How many potentially top-level, stud, elite, whatever term you want to use to describe those receivers are available in this draft, do you believe? Well, it's a good question, and I'm glad I got to do this today because I just finished a 158-page draft on the wide receivers in the chapter of the rookie scouting portfolio. Um, so, and I tier these players. So I have one guy in tier one, um, and then I have another six to seven guys in tier two. Now, tier one is someone who I think would be an instant starter in most systems. Um, and then you also have guys who, you know, when you look at what they have available who are in tier two, who are contributors. They could play right away, probably even put up starter production in a system that's um, fit for their strengths and may not ask them to do everything possible uh, in terms of what a wide receiver needs to be able to do, um, but they can grow into it. And then there's probably another, there's probably another eight to nine guys who are in tier three and tier three is also a group of players who are, um, you know, who are reserves maybe, but maybe first call guys off the bench who, if you give them situational looks, they can be very productive for you. I'm kind of in the same way that, you know, maybe you look at someone like Robert Foster from a couple of years ago for you guys mm-hmm. in Buffalo, where you, you brought him off the bench, you had him play as a deep threat, and he gave you some success, you know, and in year one. And then you hope that they can develop over that time to be able to grow into something more. So who's the one guy in tier one? G.D. Lamb. G.D. Lamb at Oklahoma. Um, you, you know, when you look at his play, he, he kind of reminds me of a little bit slower but bigger Santonio Holmes at the top of Santonio Holmes' game when he was with the Steelers. Someone that can win in the open field, make plays in tight coverage, but also be able to run very strong routes. He's an excellent blocker. Um, you know, he's not going to maul people with his blocking, but he's someone that's um, very precise in what he does. He's aggressive. He can take physical play and dish it out. And he has an unbelievable catch radius with, uh, you know, terrific body control and adjustment skills. But he's also very precise with his routes. And he can be creative with his routes to the level that it's not going to mess up the quarterback, per se, in most cases. But he's someone that can um, be very patient against cornerbacks who want to play him aggressively. 
so the, be able to get the better of him. If the Bills go receiver at 22, so tier one, he's gone. Uh, you're, in your tier two, there are six or seven guys. Who do you think is on the board at 22? Who do you think would be a good add for the Bills if they go uh, at that point with a wide receiver? Yeah, if they go early, and there's some guys late that I'd love to tell you about, but if they go early, certainly a guy like Denzel Mims out of Baylor could be a lot of fun for this team. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about him as more of a high riser, you know, late in this process, but I've liked this guy for months, and, and I think that anybody who's really studied his game has seen over the years that he's improved very much. He's a 6'2", 207-pound guy with a 4'3", very quick, excellent um, acceleration and who can go up and win the ball so he can erase throws that are or make good on throws that are not pinpoint and I think that that's important is to get someone with that kind of length who can win in tight coverage who can win against contact who runs good routes and especially good at double moves and being able to release off the line against press and I think with what the Bills like to do with the run game he could be a really nice asset for them on the outside, and he's skilled after the catch. You know, obviously, I think Jerry Judy will be gone, but Justin Jefferson on LSU is one of my favorite receivers in this class, and, you know, he surprised people with his speed, but he's a very smart, physical player. He can run block. He's a guy who can get on the edge and actually hold his own against some outside linebackers and safeties for you. He can play outside and inside, so he gives you kind of that slot hybrid type of player that I like to call him. Kind of a, you know, how Keenan Allen can play inside and out, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster can play inside and out, even Cooper Cup can do a little bit of that. And I think Justin Jefferson and or like Adam Thielen, you know, guys like that who can do both, he could be a very a really nice versatile piece for them because what he does after the catch, um, you know. And then I would say, you know, there's a guy like maybe – Brian Edwards, if they want to take a chance on him, you know, he's known for some drops, um, but he makes some of the, also some of the best highlight catches that you'll see. Very physical, 6'2", 212, kind of in the mode of maybe, a you know, a, a Javon Walker at his best back in the day and a David Terrell kind of at his worst when he drops the ball. Um, but, again, someone who, uh, you, you know, you look at what he does overall after the catch, how he runs routes, he's their leading Recep, you know, Gamecock's leading receptions guy all time. Um, so it's not like he drops the ball all the time from what I've seen in his game. Um, I think he wouldn't be bad. And then last but not least, if they're willing to roll the dice, LaVisca Chanel of um, Colorado, who's they played as a glorified running back, and he's had a number of injuries, so teams are worried about him. But this is a guy that could give you kind of a mix between what does Bryant and Julio Jones do well, um, being able to make plays, you know, on the – on the sideline and win the ball above the rim and also be able to work over the middle and take a short play a long distance. Um, and as long as the issues he's had with the rotator cuff and the turf toe are, are things that aren't going to be an issue long-term, um, this is a guy that could really have a strong career. We're with Matt Waldman. I'll get you information, or he'll get you the information on his draft guide on the second. The only other position, I know you you did all the work on the skill guys, but I did want to ask you about edge rusher before we let you go because you know it's entirely possible the bills look at that as a need or as a pick rather in in round one at 22 if they go in that direction uh, Matt is there is there a name that you think would be a prime choice in that area in the draft that would help at that particular spot yeah I mean I think there's some guys that can certainly help um Utor Gross Matos could be pretty good for you he sets up the club really well has the hips and the flexion to really set men up for runs outside um, and inside. He's you know he has really good first two steps off the line, which is important for edge rushing. Um, he has a really terrific throw by, um, so he uses his hands well, understands leverage and angles. He has good length. Um, he can get off low and really shoot gaps in the backfield, so he can help you also in the run game. He's not just a pass rush guy, but when you ask him. To, to let loose he's got excellent feet that he can continue to refine he's got the bend you're looking for um and he has a really great motor and balance so he's a guy that i really like there he is matt waldman from rookie scouting portfolio on this morning with howard and jeremy we'll take a time out now a little bit more on uh the bills and what they could do in the draft when we return and then in the next hour Maybe a little bit of a switch to uh, hockey. We shall see. It's a nightcap with Joe DiBiase. 803-0550 for your calls here on WGR.
Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR, of course, because no Sabres games tonight with the coronavirus outbreak. NHL season on pause, which means I'm here. It's summer mode. A lot of nightcaps. Here we go. And there is still free agency going on. There is still NFL news going on. Christian Kirksey, who I've yet to mention today, is kind of the big story for the Bills today. Yesterday they made some moves with the roster, bringing back Warren Spain on a three-year deal, uh, renegotiating or, I guess, uh, restructuring Tyler Croft's contract. Today we find out from Ian Rappaport that linebacker Christian Kirksey, who was released by the Browns earlier in the week, and really since he was released has drawn the attention of a lot of Bills fans. And, like, Nate Geary, I know, is big on the idea. And Jordan Poyer is big on the idea, Bills safety. Uh, he tweeted about it, the eyeball emojis earlier today on Twitter. Micah Hyde with the Will Ferrell gif, like, bring him to me. Um, so, Bills players want him, Bills fans want him. And, I don't know, Kirksey actually replied to Poyer with two eyeball emojis. So, I'm thinking that... We could uh, we could end up seeing him here. Like I think it's realistic. I didn't really think of him as an idea for the Bills when he was released because I just think he's too good for what they're looking for him. Like he's playing, he'd be slotting into a position vacated by Lorenzo Alexander's retirement that is not a real starting player. Like he'll be a name if he signs here that's announced as a starter on game days, but he's not going to play more than half the snaps. Last year, Lorenzo Alexander at that position played 47.7% of their defensive snaps. And the thing about Lorenzo is he would line up on the defensive line a lot. Even sometimes rushing the passer from the interior. And I'm not even pretending to be an expert on what Christian Kirksey's game is, but what I've read about him, he's not going to be a guy that they're lining up in the interior to rush the passer like they were with Lorenzo. So in that role, he's going to play even less than that 47%, I think. So, it depends what he's looking for. If he's looking for lots of playing time, the Bills probably are not his landing spot. But, the Bills have the money to basically outbid anybody they want, and what they can offer Kirksey is a spot on a team, while not a, every down starter is a player that plays, you know, like he's going to get some amount of snaps, a chunk of snaps on the season. He'll be the immediate backup to Milano um, and maybe Edmonds. I don't really know about his versatility to kick inside, but you're going to be on one of the best defenses in football, and if he's looking to rebuild his value coming off of two injury-plagued seasons, then the Bills could be a very attractive landing spot for him. you got the money, and you've got the ability to rebuild your value. It could be like a one-year deal, kind of like Josh Norman, or even like last year with Kevin Johnson. That's what I see. Kevin Johnson's probably the guy for this. Kevin Johnson was a first-round pick in Houston. A lot of injuries. Didn't even necessarily play bad in Houston, but a lot of injuries. He left, went into free agency, couldn't find a big contract, signs a one-year prove-it deal with the Bills to be able to rebuild his value. That could be what Kirksey's looking for with the Bills. One year, rebuild his value, I'll play behind Milano and Edmonds, I'll get my snaps in when I can, and um, at the same time, the Bills could get really maybe an upgrade at that position. I don't think he's near the pass rusher Lorenzo is, but in terms of a coverage linebacker, uh, Kirksey, much quicker side to side, um, can cover a lot more space on the field, and I like him a lot as an option uh, for the Bills. 8030550 is the phone number. We'll get to your calls right after this on WGR. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic, you know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. I just put on SmackDown on the TV in here, and SmackDown of the WWE, if you don't know. Very strange. Very strange. Not a wrestling fan in the slightest. Um, I mean, I was maybe for like a year in middle school, but I think everybody has that phase. 
I can't believe what I'm watching. Like, it's very, very strange. Of all... I almost call this sport. Maybe some people out there would want me to call it sport. I don't know. Not getting to that right now. No, I got time, actually. Maybe. If you want to debate whether wrestling's a sport with me, 803-0550 is the phone number. Um, it's very weird. Like, it doesn't really make sense without fans to me. Like, it's kind of fascinating. But doesn't that sport exist and thrive off fan reaction? Part of me is why I kind of like that part of it. But without fans, it's just, like, what are we doing? It's very weird. Very weird. Um, that would have been the one thing on TV that I thought would not have been able to survive without fans. So I don't know. 8030550 is the phone number. Joe DiBiase here on the nightcap for another hour. We're going to hear from Marcel Louis Jacques in about a half hour. Um, couple of stories that just came across my feed that I will share with you right now before we get back into the bills a little bit. Zion Williamson with a Instagram post announcing that he will cover salaries for workers at the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans. What a name for an arena, by the way. The Smoothie King Center. Uh, for the next 30 days, he's going to cover the salaries. Great on Zion. Great job. The kid's clearly got a big head or a good head uh, on him. and um, But he's got a billionaire owner. <laughs> like, the billionaire owner can't cover the bill. The rookie has got to do it. I hope that he uh, reimburses Will- Zion because... I mean, any owner like that, to me, that's not currently doing good by their employees um, and making their players do it, like Zion Williamson, that's a very bad job. It's a very bad job. Awful. Awful job. Um, So hopefully the Pelicans uh, realize that that's the right thing to do there. And also, 16-game tournament was proposed by the NCAA as like a last gasp to save the tournament after, I'm assuming, Duke and Kansas had said that they would not um, be participating in any way, shape, or form. You could have had a 16 tournament. It all would have gone through in one weekend, I'm assuming without fans. It would have been something, but that was scrapped, too risky, And um, but that almost happened, apparently. So a couple of things that just came across my feed. 8030550 is the phone number here on the nightcap. Let's go to Steve. Steve, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, Joe. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I was listening to you talk about Christian Kirksey and potential mm-hmm. signing here. Um, and I know you said that he would be filling Lorenzo's spot, and Lorenzo played 47% of the snaps last year. Um, do you think that Lorenzo's uh, special teams have anything to do with that? Because I know he played special teams all the time. So do you think Christian Kirksey's uh, role would be bigger on the defense? I'm, I'm glad you asked because I actually got uh, a couple of people asking me on Twitter the same question, and that number does not include special team snaps. That's a separate number. So, for instance, I've got Lorenzo's uh, snap counts in front of me, 495 snaps on defense, 47.78%, and 235 snaps on special teams, 56.76%. Now, I will say, although this is necessarily I that already answered your question. I think that there is an argument to be made that if Christian Kirksey's not Kirksey's not a guy that's going to play special teams, maybe that would free him up to play more on the defensive side of the football if he's not playing over 200 snaps on defense like Lorenzo is. So, thanks for the call Steve, thanks for the question because uh, other people were wondering that as well. Um no, I think it's 47% defense and that's probably uh around where you'd find Kirksey and really that number is high I mean I guess you can't just assume that Milano and Edmonds are going to play 32 or uh, 32 combined games without an injury to either one of them but there were a couple of games in the middle there I think that Matt Milano missed that Lorenzo ended up covering up for for so that 47% part of that uh, Milano I guess only missed one game so it was a little inflated not that much so it probably would come in around there that's where I'm thinking they really want to add to the defensive side of the football again, though. That's where all these rumors are coming from. That's where all the signings are coming from, isn't it? Josh Norman they brought in. There was a report early in the week that they're interested in defensive tackle DJ Reader. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, why are you doing that? You restructured Latulale, so he should be here. He's already that big, one-dimensional, old-school-style defensive tackle that just eats up blocks and doesn't really do anything else. You already have that guy. You have... Ed Oliver, who's more of a dynamic 
threat up the middle, the more well-versed defensive tackle, and honestly better in the run game. And then you also have Harrison Phillips coming back, who is athletic. And what is DJ Reader doing for me? If he's replacing... if he's replacing Jordan Phillips, that doesn't make any sense. Jordan Phillips is a threat to rush the passer up the middle. Jordan Phillips is a guy that is you can use in multiple different ways. DJ Reader is another Star Latule. So I don't get it. That's a position you can find so easily. Last year they did it. They brought in Corey Legit. Like, was it nine games into the season? They brought him well into the season, and he was fine. He was fine as a, a, a block eater. That's a position, that's a role you should never, ever be spending assets in. I mean, it's just, it's not a position you want to invest in. And the Bills, for years now with Latulale, it's been their highest paid player. That's not the game anymore. It's not. Teams are throwing the ball all the time. And when you get to the nitty-gritty at the end of games, like when they're playing Houston in overtime, how many snaps did Latulale play against Houston in overtime? It could not have been that many. I'd have to go back and look to see exactly how many, but when you get to the ends of games, when it's important and the other team is trying to come back on you or the other team is trying to put the game away, Star Latulale is not on the field. DJ Reader of the Texans, if you brought him in, probably is not going to be on the field. So stop giving them big contracts. It's basically like having a big center in the NBA. Having, you know, who's a good name for this? Hassan Whiteside was a, was a member of the Miami Heat, a big-time center who made a lot of money, and he was great at what he did. Like, his role, he was tremendous. And all his teammates would tell you that he plays a big role, right? Rebounds, blocking shots, clearing space for others. But yet, at the ends of games... When in the final three, four minutes, and it's a two, it's a one-score game, why isn't Hassan Whiteside on the court? Hmm? Why isn't he on the court? Oh, because the NBA doesn't use dinosaur centers like that anymore. And I don't think the NFL is all the way there yet with defensive tackles like Star Latule and DJ Reader, but the Bills need to progress a little bit in that area. Because those are guys you don't want on the field when you get to the most important snaps at the end. Luckily, they have a guy like Ed Oliver who has loads of talent, and I'd like to see them bring in another guy like Jordan Phillips. I don't need you to re-sign Jordan Phillips. I still think it makes a ton of sense to franchise tag him, even though he's not worth near what that money would be, because it doesn't matter. They have $90 million in cap space. That number's gone down a little bit with Norman and uh, Warren Spain, but not by much. That's what you do. If you want to bring another defensive tackle, bring in another guy that can replace what Jordan Phillips does. Especially when we don't really know what they're going to have in terms of an edge rusher yet. We don't know what that's going to look like. We know they'll have Jerry Hughes, probably. Shaq Lawson or Trent Murphy would be my guess. And then who knows after that. At this moment, they don't have a consistent rusher on the defensive line. They don't. They need that. And to me, a guy like DJ Reader, not what I'd be looking for. And that's just adding into this point here of, like, they're looking to add, though, to the defense. And that worries me. And there is an argument to be made that they should draft a pass rusher in the first round. But I keep going back and forth on this, I know. But they need to find, they need to stop finding reasons to not go offense in big spots in the draft, especially the first round. They need to stop finding reasons not to do that. This year, there is a reason not to do it. The reason is, receiver's incredibly deep, and you could probably get a great guy in the second or third round, and meanwhile, I could draft my pass rusher in the first round. You're trying too hard. You're trying too hard at that point. Go sign Jadavian Clowney. Go trade for Yannick Ngakwe. Go find a way to do that with all this money you have. That's what I would do at this point. Find the pass rusher with all the money and just draft the guy in the first round with the receiver because you don't have the opportunity to get a receiver like that in free agency. Now, you could trade for a guy. You could trade for A.J. Green. And that's an idea, and that's a subject we have talked about a lot. 
Because he fills that void. He fills that gap as the number one wide receiver on your team. And even though he's 31 years old, he should be able to give that to you for at least a couple of years. When your window is supposedly open. But other than that, other than that idea, there isn't another realistic idea where they can fill that void at a top receiver. Meanwhile, I go to pass rusher, and I'm sorry, like there's just there's way more options in free agency to do that. So that's where I'd be wanting to put the money as opposed to the picks. Everson Griffin now is a free agent, by the way. I forgot about him, and he's older, 32, but he's good. He would be my best defensive end maybe right away. Ezekiel Leonza is available again. Jabal Sheard. Robert Quinn. Cameron Wake just became available. He's more of a one-year filler, if anything, um, as he's 38 years old. Robert Quinn, though, I mentioned him. Jason Pierre-Paul, Vic Beasley, Dante Fowler Jr., Mario Addison, Shaq Barrett, who led the league in sacks last year, is available, Bud Dupree of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Marcus Golden, those are all guys with double-digit sacks I just mentioned there, Bruce Irvin is still hanging around, Jamie Collins, like there are so many guys, all he needs one, meanwhile receiver, there's like, it's like a guy, there's Robbie Anderson. And even there's an argument to be made that that's not going to do it for you. Emmanuel Sanders. Like, i got to convince myself the receiver's going to work. I get quickly to Taylor Gabriel, who was a cap, a cap casualty like a week ago for Chicago, who's not even all that good at receiver. And they let him go. So, I am squarely in the boat at this moment, at least. Again, I've kind of gone back and forth on this. Stop finding, way, stop finding reasons to not draft and invest in the offense. You need the number one wide receiver. So give yourself the best probability to get that guy. When you can also get what you need on the defense through free agency. 803-0550 is the number. We're going to take a timeout now. We'll get to our interview of the day next. Marcel Louis-Jacques of ESPN, who was on with One Bills Live earlier today. That'll be next. Stay tuned. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 